Good stuff. We are live today, joined by Jason Greenwoods, who is an e-commerce expert and consultant. And we're going to be discussing the very popular, trendy, hipster topic at the moment of headless commerce and whether it's right for your business. Jason, let's get straight into it rather than all the intros because everyone already knows who we both are. So let's just go over like a quick overview of what headless commerce actually is before we decide like the pros and cons of whether it's right for someone's business. Sure. I guess in its in its simplest terms, what we're talking about when we think of headless commerce is a, a separation of the front end or the customer experience portion of an e-commerce website and the back end or the catalog functions, the cart functions, the checkout functions, all of the back office functions of commerce um, in, in your traditional environment. So let's say you're talking about a Shopify or a big commerce or a Salesforce commerce cloud or a Magento. In most deployments there, what's called monolithic. And what that means is, is that the platform provides both the front end and the back end experience. So it provides the administration back end, the control panel where the merchant can log in, they can load their products, uh, they can configure their promotions, they can uh, configure e things like the theme colors and uh, upload a logo into the back end. And then on the front end, they provide the, the front end experience where the customer logs onto the website and they create their account and they do their shopping, the homepage, the category page, the cart page, checkout page. And, and those are all provided by the, the one vendor. So Shopify provides both the back end and the front end. In a headless environment, that is usually extrapolated out and there's multiple headless architectures. But in the most common headless architecture, you might still be running Shopify or BigCommerce or Magento yeah. in the back end, uh, but you're not using their front end theme engine or their templating engine for the front end experience. And so in that environment, you have a custom front end that's built or you're using an off the shelf front end technology like uh, you know, Shogun front end or you're using some sort of front end customer experience technology that then is connected to that back end catalog engine and via APIs. And so what the the whole, I guess, the benefit or what's touted as the biggest benefit of headless commerce is the fact that your front end can be extremely light, extremely fast, extremely high performance. Uh, and it's not, it's decoupled sufficiently, <clears throat> pardon me, it's, it's decoupled sufficiently from the back end that we don't have uh, as much lag associated with those monolithic environments which have to communicate monolithically back end front end and so there's there's a there's a performance penalty involved when you have a monolithic environment um, i could go into the technical details but in a nutshell it is headless is separating the front end experience from the back end technology that drives that experience and what's expedited this technology? Why is it all of a sudden became really trendy and a lot of people are talking about switching to headless? I think, I think as Google has emphasized site speed in a lot of its <clears throat> ranking signals, uh, as Google has, has penalized uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of sites for poor performance and slow speed, and you can look at Lighthouse as kind of Google's view of your website um, in terms of speed and performance. And if you have a low Lighthouse score, it, they have begun to heavily and more heavily over time penalize sites that are slow effectively is what it comes down to. So headless, headless proponents will argue that you can have a more flexible front end architecture. You're not limited 
by the core e-commerce platform. You can you can build any kind of front end experience that you like and then plumb in the catalog and the cart and the checkout functions from the commerce back end. You can plumb that in via API, which allows you to go a little bit crazy in terms of the front end experience. So headless proponents would argue it's not just about the speed. It's not just about the performance. Uh, it's about the ability to craft completely unlimited front-end experiences, not bounded, not limited uh, by the e-commerce platform itself. But it, it really comes down to those two things, speed and performance and customized front-end experience. That So that way your site doesn't necessarily have to look like every other e-commerce site that's out there built on Shopify, for example. Yeah, yeah, where there obviously there is a lot of complaints about the rigidness of the themes and everything. But you've sort of put position some of the advantages of the proponents of headless then so let's just come on to the disadvantages and is there like an ulterior motive perhaps at play from everyone who's trying to push forward and suggest this rush to headless is right for all businesses when i mean we'll come on to it whether it's right or wrong for for your store but let's go over some of the disadvantages of first of just jumping straight into headless and thinking it's right for your business yeah, so headless for me and, and my clients, uh, I don't have a single client that I've recommended headless to um, in, in my consultancy. And that's not necessarily because headless is a bad thing. It's just, it's still very young. It's still a very yep. immature side of the industry. The technology is still, is still getting there in terms of speed of deployment, speed of development. Uh, also, a lot of brands, they moved away historically from on-premise software. So they maybe were running a Magento or they were running a PrestaShop or they were running um, a Hybris or they were running, you know, they're running some form of, of self-hosted e-commerce platform. And and anybody who's done this for any length of time, and I, and I come from a strong Magento background for many years, so I'm very familiar with the on-premise, uh, the pros and the cons of on-premise, the pros and cons of open source, et cetera. And the, the biggest downside is, is really the fact that you now are going back to all of the downsides of self-hosted technology because the front end still yeah. has to be hosted somewhere. And if it's, if, you know, a lot of brands have moved to a Shopify or a big commerce or a Salesforce commerce cloud because they don't want to think about infrastructure. They don't want to think about web, web hosting. They don't want to think about DevOps. They don't want to think about uptime. They don't want to think about PCI compliance or security or anything like that. They want to offload that to the vendor and by going with a SaaS platform, they can do that. They can think about the customer experience only and the vendor deals with the hosting and the scaling and the content delivery network and the security and PCI compliance, and they, they just sell stuff. And you lose almost all of the benefits of SaaS when you move to a headless environment because now you've got this bespoke, highly customized, usually yep. built in React. Uh, front end that then is hosted on something like a Netlify or an AWS or something like that. So now you've got you've gone back to having your entire customer experience layer being self-hosted again and having to think about all of the stuff around the components of hosting and infrastructure and scaling and uh, you know failover, failback, all all the things that go along with managing your own infrastructure, owning and being responsible for your own infrastructure. You now have to be responsible for all of that again, and so. I think what we're ultimately going to see, and I think when headless will get the biggest shot in the arm that it could possibly get will be when the SaaS platform providers move the direction that Shopify has already signaled that they're moving, where they're going to completely separate out their mm -hmm. front end 
from their back end and they're moving to a headless architecture themselves. It's just that the front end will be hosted by them in a SaaS model. So we've got we've got Shopify announcing hydrogen and oxygen, and that is effectively the hosting environment and the front end environment and theme engine being completely extrapolated and separated from the back end environment and connected via APIs. And what Shopify is signaling to the market is that what they're going to do is they're going to come out with uh, theme components or theme frameworks that will allow the front end development, even though it's going to still be a headless model, to allow the development to be much more rapid, much more like it would be if you were building on top of a standard liquid theme. So I think headless will, will become the default eventually. Um, but it will become the default when all the major monolithic platform providers separate out their front end from their back end in a headless uh, architecture. I think you put that very articulately, and it probably brings us nicely on to the last key point as well. So it's like an inclination of maybe when it might be the right time and when it might not be. But ultimately, it seems like you think the technology is a little bit premature for a lot of people at the moment and would that be right in assuming that you maybe need to take into account if you have the right resources to go towards this type of environment for your store and that that's going to play a factor in things what's your opinion on when realistically you can consider some of the benefits of headless and when it makes sense just to stay with the sort of traditional as you said shopify magento setup well i think that many brands as of today, they've got so much other low-hanging fruit, particularly from a yeah. conversion perspective. So big proponents of Headless say, well, you're going to increase conversion because your site's going to become faster. You know, and sure, if you're trying to eke out that last one, two, three, four percent of conversion because your slight site is slightly slower than perhaps what Lighthouse would ideally like to see, I think there's so many other areas that businesses can improve conversion first that is not as complex, is not as costly, uh, and doesn't require as much technical nous as going headless. And it's really important for brands to understand that once you go headless in today's world, you effectively have a bes completely bespoke built platform that ties you uh, much more deeply into the development agency that you have aligned with. Because most people are not going to develop their headless environment in-house. They're going to work with an agency who's going to develop their headless infrastructure and build out and design and implement their headless implementation. And, and for the same reason that a lot of brands move to SaaS and say, for example, if I'm on Shopify today and I, even if I have a highly bespoke Shopify website built today by an agency, because it's built in liquid and as long as I have total portability of my site, and if I just have a run-in or I start to not get along with or work closely with my agency anymore, and I want to move to another Shopify agency, as long as it's a competent agency, they can pick up that theme, they can pick up that custom design, and they can start enhancing and extending it almost from word go. They, they of course, have to do a little bit of an audit of the code and make sure that, that it's built well and make sure they understand the, the, the way that the front end has been designed. But in large part, it's it's fairly easy to, to swap agencies if you're running a Shopify or a big commerce or whatever. Whereas in a headless environment, you now are, you have a much, much higher level of lock-in and dependency with your agency partner. And I think that if you're large, if you're a very large business and you're doing say, I don't know, maybe let's say $50 million a year online or more, and you either have significant in-house development capability 
or you have a lot of money and a lot of justification to throw at your website and your implementation and you have a great relationship with your agency partner, then by all means consider headless. But I just think that for most brands, there's so many things they can do to improve the customer experience on their website and through operationally as well through their literal customer experience, their delivery, their, you know, their payment options and so many other things that they can remove friction from in the experience before they go down the headless route that I don't, I don't consider headless low hanging fruit. I consider it some of the highest fruit to be had. And I think that, you know, much as brands come to work with you and, and you, you, you would have a, a game plan of saying, hey, we're going to help improve your business from an email perspective, from a messaging perspective, et cetera. And hey, we could go whole hog and we could maybe replatform you to a whole nother marketing automation platform, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you might tell a client, hey, actually, there's a whole bunch of low hanging fruit here that we can hit first. And then let's get into the really hard stuff once we've knocked off all the low hanging fruit. Yeah, I think there's something, isn't there, inherent within a lot of people in the space where they try to overcomplicate things because somehow they think they're missing out on things or they're, they're somehow being ahead of the curve. And on a much more simplistic perspective, I actually wrote a post about this the other day. Sometimes we will start with clients and they'll have a very basic abandoned court setup. And I'm like, whoa, there's low-hanging low fruit in the account. And they're like, yeah, but we need to adopt like a data-driven approach. I'm like, yeah, of course you do, but you actually need to, you know, put some fundamentals in place first. There's a lot of basic shit that we can get done. And they're like, oh, but, and then you start to send some designs across to them. It's like, oh, what time is this going to go out versus this A-B test? And like all that stuff is great, but sometimes, you know, you just need to get started rather than trying to over-optimize. And I think, as you said, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit and, also, I've unfortunately one of the clients we worked with did switch to headless, and it was a complete disaster. It was, and obviously, this is not to say there's something wrong with headless, but everything that you've just described played out in a real life nightmare scenario. The dev team that they went with was just horrific, and ultimately, it just left them with a slew of issues that just crippled the the front end of the store. So. I think that is a reality that people just don't bring up and they're not talking about at the moment, but definitely is very realistic. And as you said, who's going to pick up the slack, right? Like it's not so easy to just find like another Shopify agency. You have to have like the network of people who can pick that up and fix all those problems, which do happen. Yeah. And it's expensive. That's the thing is that, you know, in a headless environment, both your time to market is typically much longer on the order of, uh, you know, with the average project I've seen architected headless versus monolithic, it's about an extra 50% time to market in terms of development and testing time uh, combined with at least at a bare minimum 25% more cost, but usually it's closer to double the cost. So, so, you know, some, some agencies have started to come out with almost like their version of a templatized headless yeah. rollout with a templatized stack, uh, which means they can get to market much quicker than they used to be able to. Um, and so the cost, therefore, is a little bit less. But in most instances, if you want to derive the maximum benefit from headless that you can, then you do need a completely bespoke um, highly data informed and also US UX specialist developed front end experience 
Uh, and most agencies, whilst they might have the UX chops in-house to tweak with a standardized framework or theme like a liquid theme or a stencil theme with big commerce, they oftentimes don't have the chops necessarily from a UX perspective to start with a completely clean sheet of paper that's blank. And yep. the final piece that I'll say about this is when you build on a Shopify or a big commerce or Magento or whatever, all of the underlying plumbing to do the basic stuff like faceting in categories or e even the concept of a homepage, category page, product page, uh, cart and checkout page, all of those standard pages exist in the theme and they're plumbed together. So on a category page, for example, where you have the product cards for a category page, all of that is out of the box, right? You can change the look, the feel, the functionality of those cards, but the basic plumbing that ties that whole journey together is there. And so the add to cart function is already there, for example. And when you start with headless, you start at less than zero because before you can start building out the rest of the experience, you have to plumb all the basics together first. So you've, you've got to build your homepage. You've got to build your category page. You've got to, you've got to build your basic product page from scratch. You've got to design those from scratch. And you have to tie them all together in a seamless customer journey uh, before you can ever start doing all the crafty stuff on top of that, the really beautiful, crazy yeah. stuff on top of that. you got to do the basics first. So with Headless, you're actually starting from less than zero. And I think that's the most important thing. So from a cost and a timeline and a complexity perspective, it by definition is has to be much, much higher than a mon And when I say monolithic, I mean using a platform where it's all in one. So let's end, right? Let's try to go through a little exercise. When should someone, if we can put like a very generic high level figure on it, what type of revenue level and resources maybe in-house will be a good time to consider headless? And we'll just use like a super generic example of, you know, fast moving consumer goods brands who sells, I don't know, supplements, like an $80 AOV. When would you say as a realistic time frame and maybe revenue level to consider going headless yeah look i think if you're doing uh, you know about and every business is different and every vertical is different in terms of of what where where they'll benefit but in generic terms i think if you're doing maybe circa 50 million bucks a year in revenue and i think if you're if you have some technical resources in-house now i don't necessarily mean developers in-house because i think i think you would very rarely want to develop a headless solution in-house because trying to keep people inside the business interested long enough to be able to maintain that long term is very difficult uh which is why agencies and consultants exist because it's very difficult to retain high level high quality staff because those high quality staff usually either go work in agency land or they go out and they consult right and so you'll eventually lose them. and so it, even at that level even if you're doing 50 million bucks a year you probably wouldn't have a development agency in-house but you would have someone technical, highly technical like me, or yeah. it, you would have you would have like a CTO. You'd have somebody highly technical in your business that could uh, work very closely with the development agency that would be doing the actual implementation. And you would co-architect the solution with them to meet your requirements. And then you, you would have a really good working knowledge of that architecture in-house to where if you did need to change agencies or your agency, heaven forbid, goes out of business or something like that, you would have someone in-house that thoroughly understood the architecture at a very fundamental level. And I think if you can do that and you've, you've ticked off a lot of that low-hanging fruit, let's say you've had a 
proper CRO program running for a year or two or three, and you feel like you've ticked off a lot of the low-hanging fruit from a conversion rate optimization perspective, and you're trying to eke out that last two, three, four, five percent from a conversion perspective, and you think looking at the data, looking at your Lighthouse scores, and also looking at some of your analytics data and some of your predictive analytics data, if it's looking like site speed and performance, and if you're getting feedback from your customer feedback loop. So let's say you're running a voice of customer like a Feedbackify on your site or something like that, and people are genuinely complaining about the performance of your site and saying, man, this site's just painful. It's really slow and it's really painful. Uh, you know, you got to do something about the site speed or you're running something, uh, you know, you're running, uh, you know, site monitoring technology and you just find that certain pages are just really non-performant. Uh, and then you can correlate that non-performance with the analytics performance of the site. Then I think at that point, if the data points to site speed being a really critical factor, or you're wanting to more tightly integrate the content and commerce experience of your site, and you're finding that the monolithic implementation that you have is starting to limit you significantly from a marketing and branding and experiential perspective, then I think it probably warrants at least investigating whether Headless is right for you. But even in that scenario, I think if we just hold off, I think if we, you know, we're, we're all about the shiny things. And look, I'm a tech guy, so I love shiny things. I love new tech. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I absolutely go nuts over new tech. But I also, I also know when to take a wait-and-see approach. And I think if we just wait another 12, 24, 36 months, I think that the headless environment will be so much more mature that we will be having a very different conversation about this. And Shopify, for example, will probably make it so much easier to go headless by that stage natively yeah. on their platform that it'll become almost the default deployment Within two to three years, it'll probably become the almost default deployment. And then we'll be having the argument about, okay, now how are we going to get into the metaverse, right? So, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden now our e-commerce website is almost obsolete because everybody now wants a 3D virtual experience, not a 2D uh, browser-based web experience. And so we're always going to be chasing the shiny things in our industry. And so, and the customer's expectations are always going to be chasing the shiny things. But I think my advice to businesses and brands is always if you're not even doing the fundamentals right, and I'm talking not even the e-commerce side, I'm talking about the back end. I'm talking about your operational core. If you don't have a proper ERP, if you don't have a proper CRM or a CDP or a PIM or uh, you know a proper warehouse management system or order management system or pause, if you don't have all those things right first to where you can deliver an amazing customer experience for the people that actually buy off of you, then why are you even thinking about this shiny stuff on the front end when your operational core is, is, is shitty, fix that first. And then when you op adopt new channels, whether that be transactional or marketing channels, whether that be a marketplace, social commerce, metaverse, doesn't matter if you cannot adopt new channels efficiently and cheaply into the business, then you probably need to address that first because we need to move into a channel agnostic world because the channels are exploding everywhere and yep. regardless of what channel we're talking about, you have to have the operational capability to deliver in that environment. I think you've summarized everything very articulately there. And ultimately, it's not sexy to focus on the fundamentals, but that's often where so many businesses are lacking. So as a final note, I'm going to say anyone who is considering headless, you need to pay Jason. You need to come <laughs> on your consultant books. Get that checkbook out. Otherwise, you could be losing a lot of money. Yeah. 
Look, it's it. Look, it's it. I love. I'm glad we've had this chat. It is. It is a sexy topic. It is. You know. I think Corona kind of displaced Corona and Web three pushed headless a little bit off the buzzword radar in 2021, but definitely, particularly in early 2021, I just saw almost everyone talking about headless, and I just I almost want to scream every single time I hear it because. Uh, you know, the mock alliance and a lot of the biggest proponents of headless and look, I have nothing against them. They're, they're, they're oftentimes very smart people, but I, I almost think them, I almost think of them like I do Bitcoin maximalists, which are like, if you don't love Bitcoin, then, then, then you're a loser. And I, I feel at, or vegans, for example, if you're not a vegan, then you're a child killer, you know, or I think of headless proponents oftentimes through that same lens where they look at you like you've, if you say anything negative about headless at all, they want to crucify you. And I just think that that's such a, it's such a divisive approach to this. It's just nothing technology driven works for every single merchant every single time. Otherwise we'd only have one or two pieces of technology in the marketplace. And so all I'm saying is headless isn't appropriate for everyone. It is appropriate for some, and we need to be able to help merchants figure out the difference. I can think of a few more creative analogies to add to those examples, but I'm going to steer clear because some people might get a little bit upset who might be watching. So I know what you (laughs) might have in mind. (laughs) Yes, swiftly moving on. We'll talk about that after the the live finishes. But Jason, uh, pleasure to have you on and super interesting thoughts. Um, Obviously, if anyone wants to contact Jason Moore, they have some questions related to headless or e-commerce in general, I will tag him in this video and feel free to leave your comments underneath and I'm sure he'll get back to you. But otherwise, Jason, been a pleasure, mate, and we will catch up soon. Thank you very much for your time. Been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to do it again. Cheers, mate.